From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much. To me, it's Mike. Mike Davidson lives a little louder, a little more caffeinated because I'm recording this Thursday morning. I usually record this late at night, whispering, uh, but I fell asleep last night. My bad. I, uh, my boy, Logan, uh, he's going to be two here in a few weeks. Uh, it used to be that dude can just pass out. Now he fights sleep like no other. Um, Lana was really difficult when uh, when she first came around because she never wanted to sleep. She was always fussing and crying in her crib. Hazel can sleep anywhere. I mean, anywhere. She can drop in a hat. She actually puts herself to bed sometimes. It's weird, but Logan, man. So I had to turn off the TV. I had to turn off all the lights in the uh, in the living room. I'm rocking him. He dozes. I'm like, great, I can do the podcast. <clears throat> nope, fell asleep. So I'm doing it this morning because uh, Lana's at school. Hazel's with her mom. mom. Her mom's getting her hair done. And Logan's just a few houses down at Grandma's. So here I am doing this just before going to work. Um, so uh, we're going to have our Easter weekend with my parents this weekend because last weekend we weren't sure if Lana had pink eye or not. Uh, it just turned out to be allergies. So we're uh, all good. We're all excited. Uh, wife and I are thinking about breaking away because uh, my parents live around Martinsville. Maybe leave the kids with the grandparents for a few hours make our way to a coffee shop and a comic book store. And if you know me, I love coffee. I love comic books. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, by the way, I realized, uh, and this is going to be kind of odd given some of the things I want to talk about here in a few moments. I am not always like my dad. Now I'm neurotic and uptight about things and sometimes analytical about some stuff. But uh, I think my dad has a tougher constitution when it comes to things that are a little gross or... That would make me squeamish. I think the older I get, the more squeamish I get about certain injuries, certain movies even, man. I watched uh, Hacksaw Ridge the other night. Great movie, but I had to t keep telling myself, this is only a movie, this is only a movie, because uh, that last hour and a half is just brutal. Brutal. Um, but, like, my dad had no problem pulling splinters or teeth out. When I was growing up, I had a loose tooth. He would pull tooth out. And Lana's in the car with me. She's already lost three teeth. She's pushing on her uh, top tooth saying, Hey, Daddy, I want to lose this one pretty soon. And I'm just sitting back going, That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll get you the money with the tooth fair when it falls out on its own. I don't know why. It just it makes me squeamish. Now, if the tooth fall, fell off and I had it in my hand, it wouldn't weird me out. But to see that, I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. Um it just makes me squeamish. Uh, my dad, like I said, my dad. I remember being six or seven years old, and he goes, "Okay, you got a loose tooth. At the end of your uh, GI Joe movie, if it's not out of your mouth, I'm pulling it out." And I was trying desperately to get it out. I was eating an apple. You know, sometimes they say you lose your tooth in an apple. That tooth held on, and then my dad pulled it out, and it was just I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, <laughs> showing my age with that. This is a different time, you know, the '80s. Okay, uh, personal aside here, because I got into an idiot uh, an idiot argument on the internet, and of course there's no such thing as a smart argument on the internet, but uh, I didn't even read the article, didn't have to, because I knew how stupid this concept was. Uh, but they're talking about uh, uh, lowering the voting age in this article from 18 to 16 in light of the uh, school shooting not too long ago in Tennessee. I mean, it, we could hold actual criminals accountable, and uh, punish criminals and make it harder for people 
who are criminal or who do in fact have mental health issues to get weapons. Or we could punish law-abiding citizens who, you know, take care of their weapons, do the right thing. And so their thinking is if you uh, we lower the voting age from 18 to 16, this will get done. Because, you know, you have the youth. And when you're younger, you lean a little more left. And I said, look, hey, if you're not able to serve in the military, if you're not able to live out on your own, and you know, I said, you know, make more non-taxpayers voters is a bad idea. Well, I worked when I was 16. Yeah, you probably had a part-time job. Um, and if you live at home, if you're not paying your own rent, your own mortgage, uh, your own utilities, making car payments, if you don't have kids, you're not exactly... Um, you're not exactly as financially involved in the system as you'd like to think you are. And so if you're still in high school, making a very important decision, uh, you could trip up people who are far more mature than you. You know, people who actually pay the full brunt of taxes. And it kind of dawned on me after this idiot argument saying, well, you know, representation without taxation or whatever the hell she was saying. Um, that's exactly why they want uh, the voting age lowered to 60. And I'm not saying they're going to do this because it, as of right now, that's pretty freaking complicated. But the, the thinking here is you are in high school. You know, you are uh, surrounded by teachers that lean a little more left and have uh, a lot of liberal sympathies. And they can influence a student far more. And the fact that you're not out on your own and you are rebelling against your parents, uh, you would be more likely to vote that way whereas if you get out on your own for a few years now i'm not saying you become like a hardcore right winger like ted nugent i'm just saying you get out on your own and you realize that some of those uh those issues that your teachers were talking about and some of the ways they would deal with them not exactly applicable okay and so the the gun thing again to make it harder for a law-abiding citizen to buy a gun is counterproductive to uh, the nuts that go in and shoot up gay bars and Christian schools, churches and mosques and whatever they feel like shooting up, depending on whatever this shooter's uh, derangement is pointed at. Uh, so, no, you don't lower the voting age, especially if you're not out on your own just yet. And if you want to be liberal, if you want to be conservative, fine. You know, these are the uh, uh, United States of America. Vote what you like, but, you know, I'd rather you be someone who can actually serve in our military, uh, someone who can be on their own and raise a family, for Christ's sake. Of course, I could also bring up the fact that if you're 18, you should be able to drink, but that's an argument for a later day. And then, you know, the other thing, too, is the cigarette thing. They keep wanting to bump the, uh, the age up to buying cigarettes and all that stuff, and it's like, well, you know, we want to save lives, and it's just, look, you don't really think people are responsible enough to make their own decisions. So, there's that. All right. Uh, Mandalorian. Did not watch. Uh, two straight weeks I haven't watched. Uh, and uh, the, the Mandalorian was in big trouble before last week's Jack White, or Jack White, Jack Black Lizzo episode, which uh, I'll talk more about here in just a few moments because we can't get past that. Uh, but, like, you had two things going against season three going in. Uh, I did think that the firing of Gina Carino, who was, uh, she was usually a guest star on the show. She wasn't always on the show, but she was kind of a guest star, and she was a fan favorite amongst most. Uh, she got fired for her uh, tweets or Instagram posts saying that if you're for censorship, you're pretty much a Nazi, which 
ironically led to her being fired. Um, never mind that uh, Pedro Pascal, the star of the show, uh, posted something saying that all Trump voters are Nazis and kept his job. Uh, if you want to keep the show apolitical, just tell your stars don't post political crap because we have a show to sell, for Christ's sake. But uh, just because he, uh, they were more sympathetic toward Pedro than they were uh, Gina, she was ousted. Now, I thought the show could still survive that, given the fact, not because of her politics, but because she was kind of a guest star, and she didn't, she was not involved in the show all the time. But then they did something stupid, and of course uh, undid uh, a what was perceived to be a resolved storyline at the end of season two, and undid it in the Book of Man, uh, not the Book of Mandalorian, they might as well have called it the Book of Mandalorian, uh, the Book of Boba Fett, uh, which just uh, it, that was such a terrible show so yeah these two things going against it now this is i think i think i got this from the hollywood reporter um nielsen data for the mandalorian season three is limited to just the first two episodes right now six have aired i think now seven uh the show has averaged 856 million minutes of viewing down a modest 14 percent from the first two weeks of season two but that's not enough information to conclude there's any sort of trend. <laughs> uh, never mind. It's just been a, a, an incoherent mess. And then you have uh, Lizzo, who can't act her way out of a grocery bag. And uh, Jack Black doing his stupid British Saturday Night Live sketch voice um, in that episode. I'm really wondering what the overall... The first two episodes of this season look like compared to the last two here. Uh, it's just, it's kind of a troubling trend that Star Wars does not know, uh, Disney does not know how to handle Star Wars, and they th figure, hey, if we just throw anything up, uh, we'll have Access Media kind of bail us out. And you're wondering, well, how does Access Media bail us out? Okay, well, here we go. I got this linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. I'm not going to say the name of this gentleman, uh, but he's obviously uh, concerned about the quality of Star Wars, and he posted online about how he felt about the Jack Black Lizzo episode. And his main gripe was, this show is no longer for the nerds, because Star Wars, you know, pretty much appeals to the nerdy. Uh, it's no longer about the nerds, it's uh, basically akin to uh, Hollywood, uh, you know, Jack, Jack Black and uh, uh, Lizzo being on the show. Hollywood shoving the nerd into the locker room, uh, into his own locker, is what he tweeted out. And he got some flack for it, because when you put something out on the internet, you will get flack. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. You can say, I like puppies, and you could be called Hitler. But he put uh, he put this out on uh, his Twitter. He got flack for it. And one of the Access fanboy comic book sites got about it, and just highlighted the fact that he was getting roasted. And highlights of the tweets that uh, roasted this dude, and put uh, put his tweet in the uh, embedded in the article, and of course that highlights this gentleman to other people that may have not seen this tweet, so they can go and pile on this guy for expressing his opinion. This is basically shoving a dude into a locker. This uh, access site that is uh, basically simping for a multi-billion-dollar company. I mean, I know they're losing a lot of money, but Disney is still kind of. Well, kind of the bully on the block. They bought out everything, and now they have a hard time making money with anything. So, yeah, that that is how they kind of... Uh, <laughs> I 
That's how they kind of uh, cover their bases. No one ever really objectively reviews episodes anymore. I mean, there uh, there is one critic, I think, for Forbes that's doing a pretty good job of uh, dissecting all the problems of this show. But uh, yeah, it's if there's anything, if there's any toxic part of Star Wars, it's not the few racists that uh, live in a trailer, have a Confederate flag, <laughs> and say how much uh, Star Wars is no longer white. It's it's basically uh, it's basically anybody that just thinks everything Star Wars is good, and if you criticize it, uh, you are a racist or something. Never mind, I didn't have a problem with uh, uh, Billy D. Williams or Samuel L. Jackson or Carl Weathers or anybody uh, for being cast, aside from Jack Black and Lizzo. All right, so we go from one uh, show that's in trouble to a big-ass company that's in trouble. Anheuser-Busch is in big trouble. And I was wondering, how much trouble could this uh, company be in after um, what we'll call uh, Mulvaney Gate? Uh Dylan Mulvaney, uh, the transgender TikTok Instagram superstar. And, and by the way, if you have a TikTok or an Instagram, congratulations, you are a superstar. Um, but uh, they decided to give Dylan commemorative cans with Dylan's face on it. And they've been trying desperately to kind of uh, backpedal and you know stay quiet on things. They're like, well, this isn't available to the public. This was just uh, kind of a commemorative thing. Yeah, uh, that Dylan put on instagram and tiktok and everybody is seeing right now right so uh dylan's associated with your product even if it isn't your big television push it's uh you basically you handed this person a couple hundred thousand dollars and uh it's made you lose a little bit of money and by a little bit of money uh estimates have ranged anywhere from this past week losing five to six Billion with a damn B dollars in value. And there are a, a lot of anecdotal stories about bars uh, that are just having trouble pushing this thing out the, the gate. In fact, there's a sports bar in Massachusetts, you know, deep state, uh, deep south red state Massachusetts, where the Bud Light is not moving. In Massachusetts, man, um, and you, you have other anecdotal stories, and uh, you didn't need Kid Rock to shoot up a bunch of cans to make the point. People saw this video and said no, and so they lost all this money, and then uh, this video comes out of the, uh, the the vice president of marketing. She's talking about how Bud Light had this, uh, this problem with this uh, male fratty uh, image, and we need to be more inclusive, and she's talking about all the past advertising campaigns that made this company money and yes i've seen numbers that suggest that beer sales have been stagnant over the last few years especially compared to uh, hard seltzers which i can't be bothered with it's just kind of the trend and i nailed this observation last podcast when i said they're going for an audience that can't be bothered with beer and congratulations that audience can't be bother with beer because instead of making a little more money being inclusive you told uh your old fan base your your p1s and by the way i've said this about uh you know radio i've said this about uh, nerdum i've and i'm saying this about customers for any product uh you cannot burn your bridges with your p1s your primary audience you did that and in a week lost five to six billion dollars this woman, by the way, has disappeared from the internet. Uh, Bud Light has been radio silent for the most part. And there are pictures now of this woman from college floating around where she's hanging out with her buds, so to speak, 
drinking beer, acting kind of fratty. And it's and what's even more mind-boggling is I also pointed out that they had this great commercial. Bud Light had this great commercial that was airing during the freaking madness, man, uh, of this gal walking through a big-ass crowded bar, holding all these beers, trying to get back to her table. Biggie Smalls Hypnotize is playing. Uh, and at the end, when she successfully navigates this crowded bar, she winks at the camera. It's kind of a slice-of-life sexy commercial and no one had to show their boobs it was good i liked it and that's undone by the small gesture because you didn't understand your primary audience how do you keep your job after something like this now instead of being inclusive you have excluded a lot of people who thought they knew the product and they're saying hey i'm drinking somewhere else it's a mess you made a bigger mess than you needed to it's been very entertaining to watch, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, going on from that to something that uh, needs to happen more. Um, uh, Halle Berry should drink naked more. I guess uh, she's gone viral. I think this is to make menopause awareness or something. It's something that women go through when they get older. They The changes, they call it. Uh, but uh, there's an Instagram photo of her just sitting on or standing on her porch, sunny afternoon, drinking a glass of wine, naked. Now some things are obscured, uh, but still, it's, it's a nice sight, and it's good to see that some women can age gracefully and uh, make us forget about Madonna. And of course, the fact that I mentioned Madonna makes you mad at me because I don't think if Hallie's had any work done, I can't tell, and if she hasn't. God has blessed her so effing well. Man. Mm. Gotta stay caffeinated here. <laughs> All right. Uh, going to get a little serious here. A couple of stories. Um, and uh, they involve two different cities, two different tax brackets, uh, but they involve retail. And they kind of tell the, uh, it's a tale of the tape, so to speak. Uh, earlier this week, uh, Walmart announced that it is closing not one, not two, but four. Four Walmarts in Chicago. And I remember it was a big to-do when uh, they pushed Walmart into Chicago a couple decades back because of, you know, you have the aldermen in that city who uh, bitch and complain if uh, something is not union. Um, and so that was a big deal for Walmart to open up in areas that, uh, well, could use Walmart. Because Walmart is a very affordable store for the most part and offers people the opportunity to go in and buy what they need. And it's closing. Across the way, downtown San Francisco, Whole Foods, which is basically uh, basically Kroger for snobs. You know, people that want to buy grass-fed this, uh, gluten-free that, uh, anything that basically makes food expensive, they want. Uh, they had a store open up last year downtown San Francisco, and it is closing. So for WalMarts, which appeals to lower to middle class, and I, you know, I go to Walmart because I'm not a Whole Foods guy. Uh, closing in Chicago, and well, uh, Whole Foods in San Francisco, upper class, trying to get people downtown, not working out, and. You know, I think I think with San Francisco, it's been a crime thing. It has to be a loss prevention thing. And it 
definitely has to be a loss prevention thing in Chicago. You know, shoplifting, theft, uh, police not being able to keep shoppers safe, keep inventory safe. It has to be. And, uh, you know, I, I worked at Walmart in high school when I was 16. And thank God I wasn't voting when I was 16. Uh, my, my mom worked at Walmart for the longest time. My sister, my youngest sister, Kelly, has worked at Walmart uh, for quite a bit. She now works elsewhere. She lives down in Florida. Um, but I remember talking to my sister about this. And uh, the Walmart that I worked at, my mom worked at, and she worked at, different times, mind you, uh, was one on East Washington Street in Indianapolis, just on the fringe, uh, just outside of downtown, just about a, maybe a mile away, if that, from the county line, getting into a more suburban setting uh, with that. Um, maybe two miles, I don't know. I'm. This is not a geography podcast, by the way. Uh, but uh, she talked about, when she was working there, that uh, the East washington street walmart and i wish i had statistics to back this up this is very anecdotal i know uh was terrible and this was like maybe 15 20 years back terrible when it came to loss prevention things getting shoplifted you had employees who lived and worked at this uh, in this location lived around it who were stealing constantly in fact one employee that uh, actually got my mom fired who did not steal by the way got fired for stealing. And it was uh, known amongst the global company that is Walmart that this is one of the worst stores in their company in Indianapolis. I can only imagine what it's like now in Chicago where they're thinking, okay, we're not turning a profit in these lower to middle class areas of this city. Think about that. And then in San Francisco, you know, this uh, the continued push for urban renewal, urban renewal. You know, and a week after the Cash App guy was murdered, pleading for his life with witnesses seeing him pleading for his life, they're closing the Whole Foods in downtown San Francisco. Now, there's a book I'm reading right now, rereading, because I read this a while back. Not necessarily an economics book, but in a way, it kind of shows some economic issues that really haven't changed in the last 30, 40 years in cities, and uh, it's homicide. Uh, life on the a year in the life of the killing uh, a year on the killing streets I think it is I, I can never remember the second uh, the title of it David Simon wrote it and of course it was the basis for the uh, the, the basis for the uh, big NBC show which was just a phenomenal show um, and of course he went on to create the wire for HBO and uh, basically he follows around these detectives for a year homicide unit in baltimore late 80s uh, i think in 1987 they had well north of 200 murders that year that's hell that's a big number for any city that size any year and it was that big that far back and baltimore still has its issues uh but they were uh, there's a chapter i just got done reading about the other night i like i said passed out i couldn't read more of the book last night uh but uh, they're trying to solve a murder obviously they go into an uh, into a row house, and they and the detectives have such disgust for the people inside, not because of race, not because of uh, economics necessarily. Uh, they talked about you know good and evil and how a detective would put up with that in all shades of gray in between on a daily basis. They talked about how like even in the poorest houses, 
some of these houses, you still had families trying to put together a house and try to keep it clean and try to, you know, maintain some sort of order. This row house they go into had 23 people in it. I have no idea if any of these people were related, but they were basically squatting in this abandoned row house. And, you know, they're huffing uh, cleaner in bags. They're drinking cheap booze and leaving discarded bottles, pissing in open containers. There's molded, decaying mattresses, water bugs, and roaches that are no longer afraid of lights. Food, food, just discarded everywhere. It makes uh, hoarders look like the lifestyles of the rich and famous. These people have just given up on life. And that, to them, is disdainful because it's just like they just stopped, stopped caring. And that seems like an outlier, but how much of an outlier is it now? And I'm not saying that uh, this Walmart in Chicago is full of piss or this Whole Food in San Francisco is full of piss. Maybe just a little bit of piss, right? But that's where we're going. We just don't care anymore as a society. There are more people that don't care about other people that don't care about how society functions and don't care to contribute and that's scary stuff and you're seeing it a little bit with this walmart closing and you're seeing it with uh, the san francisco closing and i do recommend reading this book if uh, you get a chance to go to any bookstore and see it in paperback form you can but go ahead and buy it definitely a good read also, a fairly good read is uh, the book Dracula. It's a little older, written by Bram Stoker. I've got a copy of that as well, my bookshelf uh, far off here in the room. And uh, it's a horror mo book, and it's inspired horror movies. In fact, uh, they've got one with Nicolas Cage coming out here in the not-too-distant future, which uh, just looks great. Yeah, um, but uh, what is this, uh, Greenwich? Greenwich uh, University? Uh, one of those British universities has a... Put out a trigger warning to its students about this book. <laughs> Me, the squeamish guy, uh, ripping into this. I know, but they put out a trigger warning about this book because apparently they don't realize that Dracula is a horror book, and the content warning is uh, specific uh, that the, this could trigger you: violence, death, murder, child abduction, and death. Depictions of mental illness, misogyny, the supernatural imprisonment references to suicide animal abuse, descriptions of spiders and other insects, etc., etc., etc. And by the way, a lot of that animal abuse is eating insects, which, you know, I thought, you know, according to some blogs, the global elites want you to eat. But yeah, this, is, this stuff will trigger you. And I just remember, as a youngin', that kids bragging about how their parents would allow them to watch Friday the 13th movies or um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. You know, kids under the age of 17 sneaking uh, looks at horror movies and all the like. Uh, as squeamish as I am, I uh, sat through Hacksaw Ridge the other night. Great movie. Spectacular movie. But, again, I had to kind of, you know, clinch my fists a little bit because it does get pretty brutal toward the end. But, yeah, now you got college-age kids that can go and watch horror movies, uh, reading horror books. And wouldn't you know what horror books unnerve you a little bit? They're supposed to. That's the whole point of it. You don't need it. Hey, this is a scary book. Don't say I didn't warn you. That's it. Dracula kind of has that rep, by the way. And I uh, just got to give you uh, 
another thing, as much as I hate Stephen King's politics, I read The Shining last Halloween, uh, last October, and uh, that dude can write a great horror mo- book. And it was unnerving at times. There were times where I had to walk away from the book and hug my kids just to know that the world is okay. But in the end, it's just a book. It's not going to bite you. But we do have that kind of mentality now, don't we? Where uh, everything is going to bite us. <laughs> Maybe if they put uh, Dylan Mulvaney's face on the book of Dracula, it'll make it okay for the uh, the kids. All right, uh, quick uh, Motley Crew update. A couple of updates before I call it a, a podcast. Uh, the manager is now slamming Mick Mars for slamming the band, for kicking him out of the band, and replacing him with John Five. And of course, he's suing, and he's just a little bit steamed by that. And now they're saying that it's the handlers of Mick Mars, and this is a very odd term. They're saying it's elder abuse for uh, the 67-year-old Mick, uh, who's got a, who does have a degenerative disease, and it affects him physically. Like it's like really bad arthritis, but as far as I'm concerned, I haven't heard any issues about his mental capabilities. Like I think he's still all there. I could be wrong, so I don't know. I think it's just trying to offset this whole lawsuit thing. Uh, it's very fun to watch, uh, and it, it, it Mick Mars did struggle playing guitar because of his arthritis, but then again, uh, what band member in Motley Crue wasn't struggling to do anything right with an instrument or voice? <laughs> Vince Neil. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, in this edition of Political Celebrities Doing Good, uh, and I'm doing kind of the air quote eye roll thing here, uh, I, recently he uh, had a video of himself pouring asphalt or concrete into a pothole in front of his house right um and this pothole of course you the government's not doing everything right and of course they don't so i want to take initiative and uh fix this well it turns out it wasn't a pothole he filled it was uh what the uh road crews in los angeles are calling a um, an active service ditch because they were doing some work on the gas lines and they were going to have it all fixed by may <laughs> So congratulations, Arnold. You made a couple construction workers' jobs a little harder uh, this week. Bravo. And Fire Festival 2. Good news. I guess it's happening, uh, despite the fact that Fire Festival 1 never really technically happened. Uh, but Billy McFarland saying, yeah, I'm getting the investors together. We're going to do it again. And if you watched the Netflix documentary on this uh, complete shit show, you'll understand how how bad this was in terms of fraud like he defrauded investors fans vendors uh local local people that just wanted a job down there um as well as his own employees yes i know the spoiled rich white kids but hey you know they wanted to pay to have a good time and they ended up having a 17 dollars cheese sandwich in a styrofoam box yeah not a good uh, not a good time had by anybody uh, so my sympathies for anybody that was involved with Fire Festival One, but if you're involved with Fire Festival Two, after all things that happened in Fire Festival One, oh shame on you! This guy's a snake. All right, with that all said and done, till next time, stay fresh. You've been listening to Mike Davidson live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Lives.